Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Jeff Meller here tonight filling in for Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Sitting inside the first Midwest Bank studio. Having a little bit of a heated conversation about these shots 30 years ago to the day. Michael Jordan over Craig Elo and... uh, Craig Elo actually uh, joined Waddle and Sylvie earlier today and just talked about what the shot meant. The more I listened to the Bulls announcers and, and uh, was it Big Johnny Kerr? Yeah, yeah Jim Durham and John, Johnny Kerr, right. They were great, and, and boy, do they add to it because he, he was right. I mean, that game was the do or die uh, for both franchises at that time. Uh, we were both kind of the, the apprentices or paying our dues to the Pistons who, you know, were going to win a couple of championships. But I totally agree with you. I think Michael definitely hit a lot more shots that and a lot more, uh, you know, from a TV standpoint. But to pro or to catalyst, catalyst them into the next three or, or four years, I, I think that shot carried them because it just gave them a swagger uh, and a mojo that they didn't have with just him, you know, being uh, the hero all the time. Uh, I think it gave that whole team confidence, and the city definitely just got right behind them on that. Any uh, thoughts? I agree. All right. Fantastic. I mean, so if you were with us 15 minutes ago, we were talking about this. Uh, Jeff disagrees with me. My take is that uh, that shot, that one iconic shot over Elo, is the best sports highlight that this city's ever seen. And it may be one of the greatest in NBA history, maybe one of the greatest in all time in sports history. And, and Jeff, you disagreed with me, but right there, Craig Elo, that jump-started the dynasty. That gave the swagger to Jordan and the Bulls to what was to come. That's why the shot is so iconic, not only because it was in Nike campaigns and in Gatorade ads and what we've seen for over the last 30 years, but it was so impactful because it's also the greatest player to ever play professional sports on this planet doing something that was incredible in the moment and eliminating a team. Although being in the first round, it jump-started the dynasty. It jump-started the dynasty until they were eliminated by the Pistons that year. That's fine. They eventually got past the Pistons. And then the next year. But like, see, so you're so how, then, for you, your categorizing the best highlight ever. It has to be in a championship game. Then I think it has more impact when he does what he does. Oh, it, look over Brian Russell when he does it, and it's his last shot to me again. And look, I've admitted, but the, it's the Russell Elo conversation that we were having is one too. I still agree. It's probably one of those two shots. I am not adding in random pick a championship here. Here's a Blackhawks championship. Here's a White Sox championship. Here's a Cubs championship. No, no, no. It's the two Jordan highlights are probably one, two. Now we can debate which one one goes one, (laughs) which one goes two. But clearly, Michael Jordan's two shots over Elo or Russell, those are the two iconic highlights in Chicago sports history. Along with Chris Bryant's final out is an iconic moment. Yeah, it's up there. And again, doesn't top it, though. To you. Uh, for, many. Many, for 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 many it does for many Cubs fans yeah. it does but, but see but so that's wait, 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 where but I don't you understand are... Chris how are you dismissive of me no I'm... but then you're then I throw something at you and you're just dismissive of that as no, well no, no no you are trying to trying to take it into if someone is a fan of this team they might value that highlight more 
That's not what this conversation is about. Because this conversation is putting the bias aside and looking at all the highlights the, and say, yes, yeah, the Cubs winning in the 2016 nobody, championship is fantastic. Nobody can I agree. Put, nobody can put their own person, personal biases aside. You can try. You can try to. Just Again, because you're a Blackhawks fan doesn't mean you can't ignore I, Jordan's and I'm highlights. Not ignoring, I'm not ignoring Michael Jordan. I have admitted that his 1998 final shot, which put them in the lead over Utah Jazz and locked down the sixth championship to me, I, I have admitted is right there and pro and and again I may put it but I put it above Elo the, the shot over Elo because again I, I I will admit that a Gatorade campaign was built around it mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways that that maybe propagandized the the reality that this was the most impactful moment for Jordan but for me I, I don't believe it was because they lost that season but see the. What came after it has nothing to do with that one specific highlight. Uh, but uh, you know what, though, for sports, because like, as okay, the, let as me the let me ask you, this. Chris, as the rounds go on and they mean more, they mean more to me as a fan. When you win a championship with a shot, like it for uh, again, it has a a lasting impression on me. I, I'm not going to uh, deny that Gatorade did a masterful job with that shot, but. For, because it didn't win a championship and they ended up losing that season, it didn't mean as much for me as later in his career. So let me ask you this. The Cubs keep getting brought up in this conversation. You're telling me the best highlight of that championship run was Chris Bryant getting the ground ball and throwing it to Anthony Rizzo? Or was there a highlight in the playoff run that was much more impactful, much better than that one championship clinching out. Unique situation because of the history and the narrative surrounding the Cubs. History and I do narrative believe surrounding Jordan, the greatest athlete of all time. What are you talking about? 108 years, Chris. 108 years of... Dude, I will guarantee you. Facts. Felix and Sean can write this down. We'll check it in 108 years. I guarantee you, in 108 years, mm-hmm. we will still be talking about Michael Jordan. I, I didn't say one way or the other. And if who we said are that, here, we're not. Won it, Chris, well, who I'm, I'm we just giving you. You're you're looking at time. The Jordan highlights going to last the test of time. Nah, I, I get it. 108 years is a long uh, time for the Cubs to win championship. Well, I get that. Well, the narrative surrounding the Cubs makes that final out the most impactful for most Cubs fans. I would argue. Right, but you have to remove for most Cub fans. The baseball fan will not agree with you on that. I think the Cubs. Drought was the was the Some dominant storyline. Might say the Red Sox drought was more impactful. I think. Well, that, see, the, that's where you have to remove the the qualifier of said fan. Just look at it as sports fans. The the Cubs winning the World Series completely impactful. I agree. They overcame a a historic drought. I agree. But that one specific highlight is not better than the Jordan shot. Again. If you, for whatever reason, were hung up on the fact that you seem to think this Jordan shot, the, the shot... Is which, he not the most famous athlete we've ever seen this time? Yes. In the world. Again, I'm not arguing that. Still, right? Like, there's not, no one more famous than Jordan right now. Not, uh, when was the last time he played? In the world? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's in the world, Messi is probably Ronaldo, up there, right? I didn't say he wasn't. Probably I think top there's an five. argument. When was the last time he played? 2000 what was his last game 2001 yeah so we're we're looking at about 20 years now no doubt okay and he's still in the conversation in the social uh talking points we all compare every basketball player to him we're all looking at his highlights we're celebrating 30 years later certainly 
But you That's not impactful? I didn't say it wasn't impactful. But but you're trying to say that other things are to negate this Jordan concept. I'm not. I'm simply saying that plenty it, it is because you're a is basketball your favorite sport or your second favorite sport? Um, it's probably, uh, watching the NBA is probably my favorite. Then I would go, uh, NFL and college football so would be three. All I'm saying is because it's easy for you no, for it to be the most impactful because you consume NBA and Jordan was the most impactful NBA player in history for people who baseball is their most, their favorite sport. I think if you're a Cubs fan and a baseball fan, People will tell you, we had Joe Buck on in 2016. We had Bob Costas on. Yeah. People told you that this was the biggest moment in baseball history. So, yes, I think that has. But that's not what we're talking about. I can agree with that. And I think most people can understand the impact of the his- historical aspect of the Cubs weighing at World Series. Mm-hmm. We're talking about one specific highlight that took place 30 years ago today. The shot over Elo. That's what we're talking about. Is that one specific but highlight? Name a highlight out of that Cubs run that is better than what we saw there. And if you say it's Bryant to Rizzo World Championship, but what makes what makes a highlight? It's the again the the championship factor in there. The the, the narrative. So, so with is Cubs, that the top three? The two Jordan shots and then the Cubs winning the World Series. For, for nothing what? from the '85 Bears for here what? in Chicago. City. Yeah. In terms of just the highlight, best highlight in Chicago sports history. I, again, I have to write a list. Out. I have to think about this. Well, I, that's, I don't what, just, that's what we're doing here. That's where well, we're looking for calls at 312-332-3776. What is on your list? We gave you Jordan shot over Elo. We gave you over Russell. Uh, some people may suggest the shrug from Jordan after hitting six three-pointers in the first half against the Portland Trailblazers in the finals. Uh, many people could point to the White Sox when they won their World Series. Different moments that took place. Paul Canerco hitting a grand slam. Scotty Potsetnik in his big home run. You have the 85 Bears. Is there something from that 85 Bears run? Maybe the Fridge scoring a touchdown mm. against the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football. Some people Was would that say Wilbur, Wilbur Marshall's interception return the when the snow started, started, to, started snow, to fall and, and everyone's running towards the, the NFC title game. People hugging in the streets and, and celebrating that you're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe for some in the Chicago Bears, is it... Is it uh, the Devin Hester game when he returned against the Cardinals? I think for Hawks fans, Patrick Kane's game-winning goal against the Philadelphia Flyers clinching the cup. And see, I think we can all be mature enough to put all of these moments in a, a, a list and remove the I'm a Hawks fan, I'm a Bears fan, I'm a Bulls fan, I'm an NBA fan, I'm a Cubs fan, I'm a White Sox fan, and actually come up with a list and name one as the number one spot. I think we are mature enough to be able to do that. If you don't think we can put biases aside, then maybe we can. But I think a White Sox fan can understand that a Jordan highlight might beat their championship highlight. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think people can kind of get it. I I understand, Chris, and I'm simply saying... I think a Bears fan could also understand. I would say that the fact that we're having this discussion for as long as we are shows that plenty of people would argue that it's not necessarily their number one moment because it's yours. Let's see what Mark says. Mark in North Aurora wants to weigh in. Hey, Mark, what's your greatest moment? How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Yeah, uh, definitely a Jordan moment. And I would say because, uh, and I think you're arguing two different things, Jeff. You're saying um, the Cubs that ground out. No one will remember that final moment. It's the championship, yes. But if you're talking strictly highlight, 
that Jordan Elo is forever etched in my mind personally. And I'm not a basketball fan. I'm a baseball fan, but that moment was incredible. Uh, the reason is that you're not going to see the ground out in a commercial. It's that highlight. And I think that's what Chris is talking about. The highlight. That is the most impactful highlight. Greatest highlight ever in Chicago sports history. Yeah, that's my opinion. So I would, but the one thing I'll say, Mark, is that we can't negate the impact that the Gatorade campaign had. Yeah, and that's a part of it. Because sure. because a, a, spo- a corporate yeah. sponsorship got behind it, but Jeff, it, it's been uh, I was, etched in our memory for years because of it being in the forefront because, because it's so impactful because a sponsorship was attached to it, yeah, and of they took, yeah. So, but again, that doesn't necessarily make it the greatest highlight because Gatorade got behind the greatest athlete in sports history and took advantage of it. It was a shrewd move by them. But all I'm saying is part of the reason that. A shot that got them out of the first round is etched in our memory is because it, you couldn't go anywhere without it being on TV because Jordan was a great pitch man for Gatorade. Let's see what uh, Robo in Brickyard has to say. Hey, Robo. Hey, what's going on, guys? Real quick, how can you guys completely forget Dwayne White, Circus Tech, <laughs> late and Mark Burley's perfect game? To steal that deal, to keep the hope alive. That is number one. If that's not number one, that's number two. I'll shut up and let you guys talk now. Love it, Robo. Thank that's you for it. the call. Uh, by the way, uh, Sean Davis and Felix Reyes on the other side mm. of the glass just bursted out laughing. I like that. I, I like, don't know if you could hear it in our mics through the glass, but uh, that was a great call. I mm. like a man that can set aside his bias and recognize yes. the greatness. Yeah, that, that is probably Hawk the greatest Carlson's sports highlight awesome in call. Chicago sports history. Chris Black, Jeff Miller yeah. filling in for Jonathan Hood here on Under the Hood. Let's try Mario in Norwich. Hey, Mario, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? Not what's much. Up, man? Hey, just want to comment in. I think Jordan's shot is the greatest highlight, but you also have to keep in fact, how about the highlight when Devin Hester returned the Touchdown, the kickoff at the Super Bowl, yeah. all the cameras, lights out. That had to be a perfect highlight. I'll shut up and let you guys talk. It's an interesting point. Look, at that moment, I was riding higher than I've ever ridden as but, a Bears fan. Yes, yes. And Riding high, yes. You know what, though? It, it dissipated because the Bears went on to lose the Super Bowl. So as great as that moment was and as, as awesome as I felt in the moment, the, the residual feelings are not of of greatness from that day. How do you I mean how do you react to the Devin Hester Super Bowl touchdown return? It's cool. Definitely cool. But I think if we're gonna add a Hester highlight, I would pick something uh something different. Probably the Cardinals game like I suggested. Or I remember that game uh I don't know which year, but remember the game where he and Adrian Peterson went back and forth and mm-hmm. he had a couple of returns and Peterson was returning kicks and he had a couple yeah. long touchdowns. Like I would pick something like that for Devin Hester. I a game you lose in the Super Bowl, you had the opening kickoff. It was cool. Probably top fifty moment in Chicago sports history. I wouldn't put it in the top five though. No, and neither would I. Again though, I think though ha- you know, here's the thing though. If the Bears go on to win the Super Bowl, that is the moment, I think. Yeah, if they roll in that game and they go on to win. What if they win by three points? Uh, Okay, then probably that kick. The kick that sends them there. The non-parky double doink uh, that doinks in against the Colts, that would have been the the highlight. What if there's not even, like, because they had a lead in that game. What if, obviously, with Hester, what if they just hold on to the lead and there's no other meaningful huge play? So then maybe it is. All I'm saying is that what goes on afterwards sometimes determines how you feel about a highlight. For me, again, I don't want to argue 
you know, ad nauseum here. But what I'll say is, for me, because Jordan didn't, because the Bulls didn't win the championship that year, I don't know. I I, I have more fondness of the Jordan over Russell when it yeah. comes to Jordan. Highlights. I mean, and they are both good options. I w- I am getting lost in the uh, debate between the two of us in the fact that you are adding in, well, a Cub fan might think this because he's a Cub fan. No, well, I think a Cub fan's smart enough to say, you know, that 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 history behind winning the championship's great, but we didn't have a moment that was as iconic as Jordan's shot. So I, I think that's where the difference in the conversation is. And, and I think if you look at NBA history... If you want, if you want to talk basketball specifically, clearly that's the most iconic shot in NBA history. What else are you going to give me? There, you can't name one that's more iconic than anything Jordan's done. Okay, but you're changing the description again. Iconic, yeah. Again, okay, mo- most impactful. I, your favorite highlight? What's my favorite highlight? Well, but it's a highlight. I know, but again, like part of the like. Okay, so let's do every highlight, like everything you show, you see on Sports Center is a quote yeah. highlight. Sure. So that's why Chris Bryant's final out is a highlight. Okay. So I think a lot of Cubs fans think that that's the greatest highlight in Cubs history because at that moment, and all, I their, think, all their troubles were washed away. And I think they're smarter than that. Let's try Ed in McHenry. Hey, Ed, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, I do agree the the actual play Bryant made had a greater impact than a lot of them that you've been mentioning. But if it's a highlight you're talking about, I think Juan Uribe's dive into the stands in Houston is a better highlight than the one of Bryant. And I know it wasn't a clinching out, but there's still a better highlight than just a ground ball to third base. You know what I'm saying? Ed, would you put uh, Juan Uribe's dive into the seats above the shot over Elo? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. All right. No. All right. Thanks for your call, Ed. But you didn't ask him about uh, the shots over Russell. I mean, it's a Jordan shot, right? Like, I think we can both agree that the best highlight in Chicago sports history was a Jordan shot. I would disagree. And I'm not doing this for effect. If I would, I told you, if anything, I would lean toward Jordan over Russell. But again, basketball, not my favorite sport. So because of that... I, for, all I can Listen, do, dude. I don't think bas- me liking basketball has anything to do with it. I can, can understand con- that he's the most famous person on the planet. Probably that's you, what it's about. But again, you speak for Chicago, the the entire city, as though we're not made up of individuals who have their own opinion. No, I understand. No but collect- I'm saying that people say- are probably well aware of how famous Michael Jordan is. Again, nobody's arguing this. And never said they understand never the cultural s- impact he has had, but on this generation, the one before us, the one that's coming after us. All I right, think so people get it. I understand, but again, you keep changing your terms. You say iconic, you say greatest highlight, and then I give you just like how, why it, I differ slightly, and you you continue to shut me down and say no. I speak for the city of Chicago, saying Jordan's oh. shot, the shot, the shot over the Cavs. And then you say, oh, but you know what, though, the Russell one, that's a fair argument simply because it's Jordan. Yeah. But then, okay, so because I I tell you, you know what, more people uh, waited through the Cubs disasters as much as they did for a longer period of time. And then you shut that down because it's not the Jordan shot. That would work if it was a Chris Bryant walk-off homer to, to end the streak. Yeah, that highlight would probably top whatever Jordan did. I agree. I agree with you 100% there, Jeff. Let's Total try. Total agreement. Let's try Aaron in Kenosha. Hey, Agreed. Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Aaron? You're on ESPN 1000. Oh, no. oh I'm doing fine, doing fine. Yeah, uh, that shot of Jordan, it was okay. But 
I'm looking at a basketball. Look at the basketball whole realm. The best shot, the best, the best iconic shot to me was when Ray Allen hit that bucket against San Antonio, and when the San Antonio was actually wheeling out the trophy into the stadium, and then Ray Allen hit that shot in Game Six, and the Heat over the Spurs. Sure. All right. Well, that was uh, Chris was asking what's the most iconic shot in basketball. So Aaron uh, offers up that as a rival. Let's try Dan and Aurora. Hey, Dan, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, what's up? Um, for the most iconic Chicago sports highlight, it has to be Jordan over Russell in that lat that sixth championship because all of the weight behind it. You knew that that was the end of Jordan as a bull. They, they, you knew that everything was there. They're making a whole 10-episode series about that season. There was so much going on to put everything together and just make that final shot, put his arm up. That was, that was awesome. All right. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate the call. And, and that's a fair option in my book. Like, I think most people can look and say probably something Jordan did would mm-hmm. probably be number one. Okay. And so, so like I can't argue with the Russell option because I think that that's there's a fair conversation to be had there. What I'm going to argue with you about is when you brought up the Blackhawks, I, I that was my pr- look again. I said for some people, no, I know, and I'm telling you those some people are wrong. Okay, thanks, Chris. You're Let's welcome. try Charles in on the South Side. Hey, Charles, what's up? Hey guys, good evening. Thank you very much for up, uh, having me part of the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, I just wanted to say a quick shout out to Adam Abdallah too. Uh, came across a new one once upon a time. Before I go any further, I just want to say hi real quick. Well, you came across him one, once upon a time. He's still <laughs> around. Although uh, 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 I mean, school as a matter of all fact. Right, right, so right. I, I know him from back in the day. But anyway, I want to get back to like uh, you guys part about the sh- shot. Uh, I have one more that a couple more that could probably top that. If you're going to be talking basketball, why not the first three peat? I mean, you may not like him as a front office guy, but John Paxson. I mean, John Paxson's game-winning three in game six against the Suns, which almost saw the Bulls' very first ever game seven of the series, that was the year where Jordan and his Bulls became the first team since the uh, late 50s and 60s Celtics to three-peat. They, they uh, moved a step ahead not only the Lakers and Pistons to repeat as back-to-back champions. I mean, it's one. And then I, I just think from his uh, last one from the other caller, the one he did in 98, I just think the first three-peat was special because they made history, and that was also the same year that Jordan was on, I mean, year before that, was on the Dream Team. So I'll make that argument. And then my second one is a wild card. 2005 World Series, Scott Pesetnik having a, I think it was like a walk-off or game-time home run. I forget which one it was, but it was against the Astros. That was a big moment that shifted big-time momentum in that World Series where they won the sweep the Astros. That was the first Chicago championship outside of the Jordan-led Bulls since the 90s, which I think was led to like a little bit of drop for Chicago fans. So I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Thanks for having me on. All big moments. I agree, Charles. Appreciate it. Uh, Jeff, coming up in 15 minutes, uh, we're going to listen to an interview I got a chance to do earlier today with Michael Chandler and Jake Hager from Bellator 221 this weekend at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont. It's this Saturday. We actually have a pair of tickets to give away tonight in the next half an hour and before uh, 10 o'clock tonight. So within the next hour and a half, we will give away a VIP pack. So it's not only uh, tickets, which is separate from the two tickets we're giving away this half hour, but we have tickets, a meet and greet, and everything for 
Bellator 221 Chandler and Pitbull at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont this weekend, Saturday. So we have the interviews coming up at 840, and then we have two pairs of tickets and then a VIP pack to give away before we're done. There you go. So if you want to go, if you want to attend Bellator 221, make sure you're here with us on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Jeff Meller and Chris Black filling in for Jonathan Hood this evening here on ESPN 1000. Talking a lot about uh, some basketball early on here. And we will be discussing uh, some NFL football here at 9 o'clock with Andy Benoit of Sports Illustrated. He's always very insightful, so I can't wait to have a chance to chat with Andy. also did an interesting piece on the uh, Sean McVay. He said he had a chance to sit down with Sean McVay and discuss some of his regrets from Super Bowl 53, which I found really interesting because, Chris, let's be honest, as Bears fans, I think all we've heard about a lot over the last year or so have been the comps made directly from the Rams to the Bears, and can the Bears mimic everything the Rams do? So I can't wait to talk with Andy Benoit. Uh, One thing that the Bears uh, need to get right if they're going to mimic the Rams is the uh, kicking position, and uh, they hope that they have... uh, found the uh, replacement or the the actual solution in uh, Eddie Pinheiro, who they just picked up via a compensatory trade with the Raiders. And the was it, what's the deal? He had a groin injury last year, so he didn't play for the Raiders? He so did. he was out the entire season? Yes, he did. He, uh, he kicked uh, three field goals for them in preseason, had the groin injury, and then shortly after the Minnesota Vikings released Daniel Carlson, who they had drafted, actually, once they released him, the Raiders picked him up, and he was excellent for them. He only missed one field goal. I believe he hit 94% of his field goal attempts last year, and uh, they feel like they're set, which hopefully is the uh, Bears' gain now that they have a guy who is somewhat impressive, I have to admit. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of like a, a construction worker in the 80s who sees an attractive woman walk by the construction site. If I see okay. a lot of uh, videos uh-huh. of uh, impressive kicks... From long distances, I will whistle and find myself uh, captivated. Well, Jeff, uh, kickers don't do it for me. So uh, I hope the kid uh, can make some kicks for the Chicago Bears. I hope we're done uh, worrying about this because it would be nice. But uh, honestly, like, it, I hope Ryan Pace figures it out. Obviously, the kicker position uh, is important when you get into a football game. But I think all the hand-wringing and all the talk about it this offseason – is only because mm-hmm. of the way the season ended last year. Obviously, a lot of different things need to go right for the Bears to get back to that point next season. The defense needs to continue to be as good as it was this last year. Mitch Trubisky has to take another step in his progression. Can he become an average quarterback to above average to an elite quarterback in the National Football League? If he does that, then we don't have to worry about the defense maybe taking a step back. Because of all the turnovers that they got last season. There's no guarantee that those will take place again this upcoming season. So I think there's a lot to talk about the Chicago Bears. I just can't do this kicker thing every day. Is that what this city's built upon? Like, this is a blue-collar town. This is where we're about linebackers and running backs and football. And all we've talked about this offseason is a kicker. Well, And I'm just sick of it. 
I'm glad that they traded for a guy. Hopefully it works out. Can we be done with kickers? Mm, we can't be done with them until you feel comfortable with the guy who's on the field. But we won't. We won't feel comfortable until we get to opening game, uh, the opening game against the Packers at Soldier Field. And mm-hmm. until that guy hits a kick, that's for a game winner. Until that happens, we probably won't feel comfortable. And we probably won't feel comfortable even if he's okay during the season. We won't feel comfortable until we get into that playoff game and until he has an opportunity to send the Bears to the next round. That's when we'll know. That, Unfortunately, that's a long time from now. That's a, that's an interesting question, though. At what point would Bears fans feel comfortable? I do feel like there's a moment when a kicker maybe makes like 10 or 12 in a row. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not going to... This may not happen during the season, but I do feel like there could be a moment... and. You know, I say Eddie Pinheiro because he's the guy they traded for, but it certainly could be Chris Blewett if he's the guy who wins the job in camp. But there's a certain point where maybe you're five or six games into the season, and if the kicker's only missed one field goal and it was in bad weather or something like that, and he's hit a couple of long ones, there may come a point when people set aside the Cody Parkey scars and say to themselves, all right, I feel comfortable with this guy. Well, I, I won't set aside the scars, but, you know, the one thing with Parky last year, mm-hmm. remember when he missed that kick against the Dolphins in perfect conditions? Yep. That I was bothersome. Do. Yes. That was really bothersome. So I think if there's perfect conditions for whoever this new kicker is going to be, yep. whoever the, you know, spin the wheel and whatever the kicker lands on, that's who we have uh, for the season. If he's missing kicks in, in big spots in perfect conditions, then... We're going to have the same doubt as we've had this whole offseason and what we saw last year with Parkey. But if he's making, like you said, he he kicks uh, 12 straight, perfect conditions, nothing bothers him, okay, then, yeah, maybe I'll probably uh, move past it. I was like, like, I don't think, like, are people really that worried about the kicker position? I think you have to be worried because of the way it ended. I was particularly bothered by the way it played out because I was – First of all, when they signed Cody Parkey, I was perturbed that they spent as much money as they did. And I said so the day they did it because he didn't have a big leg. I don't mind so much spending $9 million of guaranteed money on a kicker because you've got a lot of cap space. Yeah. But what always bothered me is that you went for a guy who was accurate but didn't have a big leg. And you know what? In this day in the NFL, if your kicker, if you can't even trot him out from 55 to 58, you know, what's the point? You're behind the eight ball. Why are yeah. you paying that guy money? So I was always bothered when they signed him for the amount of money that they did. And then he was missing kicks left and right. You mentioned the Miami game. Oh, yeah, by the way, the Detroit Lions game, that extra point debacle that he set out there. All the reason yeah. in the world they should have said at that moment, you know what? Let's move on. Let's not let a kicker potentially cost us a season. So it still bothers me a little bit. Because even at the time they signed him, and then throughout the year, all in through all throughout December, I was annoyed that Cody Parkey was still kicking for the Bears because I saw it coming a mile away, and I knew that if a big opportunity arose in the playoffs, that I that Cody Parkey I felt was going to miss, and he did. And so because I saw it coming, it always bothered me, and that's the one thing I think. In addition to uh, Ryan Pace potentially, you know, setting his fate. Uh, tying his fate to Mitchell Trubisky, the one thing that's always bothered me is that he failed to rectify his own wrong, maybe because of arrogance. Maybe because he didn't want to admit that $9 million he had guaranteed Cody Parkey. It was, he, he didn't want to say, this guy could cost me a playoff spot. Well, and fast forward, do you think he'll do that same thing with Mitch Trubisky? That, my friend, is going to be a $50, $70 million question. 
Yeah, I mean, and we're we're waiting. You know, if you follow the NFL, you know that Dak Prescott and the Cowboys are are heading towards a new deal. It's something that Bears fans should keep an eye on because if you look at the stats with Dak Prescott and Mitch Trubisky, it's not like Dak Prescott's an elite quarterback, and it's not like Mitch's numbers are far off of what Dak Prescott has done in his three years. In three years, Dak Prescott, three seasons, he started 48 games. He has 67 touchdowns, 25 interceptions, a completion percentage of 66%. His quarterback rating is 96 Mitch Trubisky in two seasons, 26 games started, 31 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, 63% completion percentage, his quarterback rating 87.7. So whatever Dak gets, that's probably going to be the, the ballpark of what Mitch Trubisky is going to want for a new contract. So it's something Bears fans should keep an eye on because, you know, he doubled down on the kicker, right? He, he paid for the kicker, he stood by him, and it burned him. He went and traded up for the quarterback. He did. He has put weapons around the quarterback. He's going to have to pay the quarterback. Dak's about to get paid. Trubisky's probably going to get the same. It will be an interesting storyline that we follow, not just this season, but mm-hmm. for the entirety of Mitchell Trubisky's you know, rookie contract. All right, folks, it is that time. If you want a pair of tickets to Bellator 221, we're going to uh, give them away next as Chris has an opportunity to chat with a couple of the uh, the men on the marquee for Bellator 221. Yeah, Michael Chandler and Jake Hager, uh, Hager coming up next, and uh, we'll give away the pair of tickets. And also, before 10, a VIP pack to Bellator 221. Stay tuned. Right here on ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hoodies off this evening. I'm Jeff Meller, and along with Chris Black, we have a pretty cool event happening on Saturday, this Saturday, May 11th, at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Chris. Yeah, if you would like a pair of tickets, call now at 312-332-3776. Be caller number 21. You'll get a pair of tickets to see Chandler versus Pitbull at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont Saturday, May 11th. To get your tickets now at Bellator.com and at the Allstate Arena box office. It's Bellator 221, so caller number 21 at 312-332-3776. The pair of tickets, they're yours if you're caller number 21. Earlier today, I got a chance to talk with fighters. Michael Chandler, he'll be the main event on the card at 221 this Saturday night. And Jake Hager, he's also uh, fighting earlier on the day on the card. And uh, he actually used to be Jack Swagger from the WWE. Yeah. So uh, we will talk with Michael and Jake. I had that conversation earlier today, and I started Michael off with this. How's training going? It's been good. You know, it's it's great to get to, once you get to fight week, healthy, um, no injuries, ready to go, ready to roll, in shape. You know, this week's all about just getting through the process, you know, for, for myself, maybe not the heavyweight over there, but the, the first fight is getting, getting to the weigh-ins, making weight on Friday, and then, uh, and then really focusing on the fight. But had a great camp, great training, and ready, ready to go on Saturday. So, Jake, when you take, you know, like Michael just said, maybe it's different for the heavyweights. How is the training differently? Maybe for someone who doesn't know, maybe he's not as in tuned as the average fight fan. How, what, what's it different to get into a fight as a heavyweight? Well, 
the main difference is uh, heavyweights traditionally do not have to cut weight, which is a very, very big part of what Michael does, which is what like yeah. a lot of the lower weights have to do. And it's a, something that you have to plan. You have to have done before um, to get at it. Um, me, I've always had to like put on weight. Um, so it's kind of the exact opposite that I want to like stay a certain size instead of like uh, cut down to a certain size. Um, my camp, my camp was good. This being my second professional fight, um, I was really animate that I didn't want to take my foot off the gas and like lose any anything just because I have one win under my belt. I don't want to think like I made anything. Like I've I've done everything that I wanted to accomplish. I really wanted to push myself uh, even harder, and uh, very happy where I'm at right now. So Bellator two twenty one Saturday at the Allstate Arena. I'm Chris Black with Michael uh, Chandler and Jake Hager right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Michael, uh, it's all about bad blood between you and Pitbull. Uh, Take us all through what has gone on between the two of you and heading into this fight, having that bad blood. Does that incentivize you? Does that kind of motivate you a little bit extra heading into this fight? Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely a different dynamic. Most of the time, as a competitor, I'm stepping into the cage against another competitor who who wants to beat me, who wants to who wants to win a fight. Um, but this guy legitimately wants to hurt me, you know. And that and that started, you know, eight years ago when we got into Bellator. He and I are only one weight class apart. His brother was in my weight class. I beat him, you know, six years ago, and then beat him again two years ago. Um, the last time I beat him was pretty pretty devastating knockout and uh it really triggered his brother to kind of get up in my face and say he wanted to fight me and since then we've been jawing back and forth and uh you know it's 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 time for this fight to happen you know we we've we've spent too much time around each other too much time you know with with opportunities to fight each other and i'm glad it's happening here in chicago may 11th at the at the all-state arena it's gonna be a good night so i've seen that people have written that maybe there needs to be extra security at the event. Do you think that something like that adds hype to what we're going to see on Saturday night? Even though, you know, because a, a lot of people probably see what Conor McGregor has gone through and the added extra that's outside of the cage. And maybe say, like, that hypes up the fight and it brings more eyeballs to the sport. And maybe you guys can put on a show that, that gives someone the, the kind of look at it and say, okay, now I'm going to be a fight fan because there's something else going on here, not just the fight itself. Yeah. No, I mean... uh it, it definitely adds to the to the mystique of what's going to happen, what could happen, what might happen, you know. But but for me, for, for as the way that I am motivated, I'm motivated by by the win. I'm motivated by uh, by getting in that cage and and focusing on fighting smart and sharp and composed and confident. Um, you know, I'm, my opponent was born and raised in the streets of Brazil. You know, he had to fight and screw claw and scratch um, to get where he is today, and and he is very much motivated by, you know going out and 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 dismantling me so um you know we we come from two different backgrounds two different countries it's it's a it's a this is a fight that i'm excited about this is an opponent that i'm excited about and uh yeah i think there's gonna be a little bit extra security just in case and we'll uh, we'll see i know he's at, he's at a different hotel um he's at a different hotel than i am to, to kind of keep keep away from everybody so um because he's we'll scared see. of you. He, yeah, right? That's yeah. smart. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, last last time when I fought his brother, I, I got caught with his coach in the in the elevator. It was just me and his coach, and I just kind of like, well, this is awkward. But, you know, I'm always that kind, I'm always kind of that guy who right. I've never taken things personally, you know, even with wrestling. I you're, You stand shoulder to shoulder with the guy you're about to wrestle. You know, when you're about to weigh in, you just get used to being around, you know, your your opponents and that's no different, man. May 11th, Saturday night, I'm going to go in there and get, my, get the job done. You have an extensive background in wrestling, but you seem to stand and trade a lot. Why do you do that? Um, I think it's just, 
it's it's where fights have taken me, you know, and 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 the the sport of mixed martial arts is is different. You never quite know. You might have a game plan to go in and take a guy down. You might have a game plan to go in and, and strike with a guy. Um, a lot of my greatest wins and a lot of great, my greatest finishes have been just throwing big punches, you know. And and the great thing about mixed martial arts is you can go in, you can wing big punches, and if one lands, you might be able to put a guy down and maybe fish, finish him on the ground. So I'm going to go in. I'm always going in trying to take someone's head off. And then uh, if I do. I do it, and then if I don't, I'll take him down. That's pretty good, uh, Jake. Uh, if uh, you know, you look at your first fight in uh, Bellator two fourteen. You won by submission. What does that mean to you that you're able to to win a fight like that? You know, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, Mike and I were talking about that specific submission hold. You know, you guys call it the arm triangle. Well, I always known it as uh, the Josie headlock. Um, there was an old coach that coach at Oklahoma State, and he's a good fam, a good friend of mine, um, and. A lot of times in high school, uh, fellow teammates would actually choke people out with that pinning. It's a pinning combination, but you would actually choke them out with it. And I never, I never could get the the quite choke on it just right back then. And so I think it's very funny now that uh, it, I used it for the first hold um, for for my first victory. Um, I like the fact that it was a submission. Um, uh, I look at the fight between Matt Mitrione and Ryan Bader, and I thought Bader fought just an amazing, sm- amazingly smart fight because he was safe and he and he kept him away from what he was good at using his wrestling. And I definitely want to mimic that. So you've been to the Allstate Arena before. You performed there in the WWE. What is Michael in for to see what this crowd and and people in Chicago fight fans are going to show you guys the fighters on Saturday? Um, I had the opportunity to debut with WWE at Allstate Arena back in 2008, and it, Mike, it's one of the loudest arenas in the United States. It's up there with MSG. It's up there with uh, Staples Centers. Um, every time that we came to Chicago, there was a big circle on it because of the atmosphere. It always has that big fight feel. Chicago's a known sports city, and when you go inside the Allstate Arena, it's just it's, it really is electrifying. Um, I hope to kind of use that as a home field advantage. Yeah, and you know your transformation from the WWE to MMA. What has that been like for you? Yeah, it's 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 been a, it's definitely been a, a special journey. Uh, very fortunate to have guys like Josh Rafferty, Rob Rafford, Joey Best uh, voluntarily and well come along on this journey with me because they care about me and they they want to see uh, me be successful outside of the WWE. A um, lot of bumps, a lot of ups, a lot of, and even more downs. Um, it's a, a process that has really been refreshing, though, for me and my family, because after being on the road 200 days a year for 12 years straight, you know, you know, I, I was my son is eight now, but he's only really known me uh, like I've only been in his life about half of that because I've been on the road. And so it's been such a refresh, such a great restart for my family and I to be at home training, doing something that I love and being around them and having them in my life and being in theirs. So it, it really has been a blessing. This is for both of you. What, what's the daily grind like? Is, is it good to finally be to fight week where, where you can kind of focusing on one specific task that you need to beat the opponent and not the training, the eating right, and everything else that goes with it? Yeah, it's always nice to see the to see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because you, uh, it, I, I train year-round, 
ish. You know, I'm always trying to stay in shape. But once you hit that fight camp, that you know that uh, this week, this training camp, I did a 12 week training camp, so I'm 11 weeks in. You know, those first four weeks kind of get you going, and then right about that week five, week six, you're like, holy cow, you're ready to fight. You know, and and you're ready to be here in Chicago, ready to ready to ready to weigh in, ready to get that fight going. So I'm glad that it's finally here. And really, at this at this stage in the game, I've been fighting for 10 years, 33 years old. Um, you know, at, at this stage in the game, you're just happy to be healthy and happy and uh, and and ready to step in the cage and fight at the best. When you're looking at this fight on Saturday night, uh, what specifically do you think will be the difference between you and Pitbull? Um, I think honestly, we're very we're very well matched in a lot of areas. He's got great striking. He's got great grappling. He's got great great wrestling. Great great submissions. Great great submission defense. I'm just better in every single one of those areas, and I'm and I'm bigger. <laughs> And I'm bigger, you know, and, I, and I'm bigger, right. I'm bigger, and I'm more violent, and I'm more dominant, and I have, and I have the, the mental edge of him watching his big brother, who he's looked up to his entire life, get wow. smashed by me twice, so and cool. I, I think, that you know, that's, it's tough. I mean, it's you saw him act out of, uh, you know, out of, out of, you know, love for his brother, but also yeah. like, you know, hey, you disrespect my family by by knocking my brother's mustache into the third row of the Scott Trade oh. Center, you know. So it's uh, one of those things where you just gotta. You gotta, you know, get tied onto that tornado, and I'm excited to, to to peel him off the canvas. Yeah, just remind him that you were sitting on top of the cage, right at <laughs> yeah. the end of the fight, pointing yeah. down at him. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Right after that fight took place. So, um, what's next? What do you guys have on dock that you're looking, that you're circling, saying that's who I want to fight after I win this weekend? I'm just, I'm just looking forward to this one, and then after that, we'll see, we'll see what's next. See, I gotta still have a bright future, still have a lot of years left, and yeah. I know you do as well. So, hey, thank you, thank <laughs> you, Jake. Anything, anyone you have uh, on the horizon that you want to go after? I mean, I think uh, anybody who s- steps into the cage, you know, they want to be the best. They want the opportunity to prove that they're the best. So, um, if not this year, then next year, I'm I'm looking to get in that cage with a champion and, and prove that. Um, it's one of those things. Either you have that instinct or you don't. And uh, this is a sport that really behooves you to have that instinct. Um, I'm very excited about Saturday, and I, I don't want to overlook that. This is my second pro fight, so I'm not I'm not looking past that right now. That's awesome. Uh, congrats, uh, congrats on getting here, and also good luck, both of you, this weekend. And thank you. We appreciate you taking some time today. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. Us. Michael Chandler is better, too. (laughs) (laughs) They were awesome. It was a good conversation. Michael Chandler, Jake Hager, Bellator 221, Robert uh, Smerling from McHenry. He wins the pair of tickets to go to the Allstate Arena on Saturday. Bellator 221, Chandler versus Pitbull at the Allstate Arena in Rosemont on Saturday, May 11th. Get your tickets now at Bellator.com and at the Allstate Arena box office. Which key member of the Bears defense does one sports illustrator one Sports Illustrated writer think is overrated? I'll ask Andy Benoit about it next here on ESPN 1000.